Thank you, Lord God. We thank you. One thing I wanted out of the announcements, I did, well, two things. I want to, I want to uh, thank Bob for coming and uh, power washing our fence. It's no longer green, and so uh, we thank him for coming and doing that, and um, and Carol being with him, and so we just thank him for doing that. Also, tomorrow we want it will be this. Uh, the anniversary of Clark being ordained in this house, Amen. Pastor Clark. So, thank you. Lord. Thank you. <laughs> One year ago tomorrow. So we thank God for that. This is what God has done, yes. and it's marvelous in our sight. You are. As Sister Glidell said, you are miracles. You are new creations in Christ. You're not who you used to be. You're a new creation in Him. Your directions and your purposes are no longer in your hands. They're in His hands. And by the way, he knows what's better for you than you do. Blessed be his name. <clears throat> Turn again, to, please, to Hebrews 12. Every time I think I'm about to get done with this passage, the Lord just uh, says, not quite yet. So, I trust you're not tired of it, but... Uh, that there's such, there, there are things that, as such a Glidell said, you, you read things and it, uh, you think you got it all down and then you read it again and God opens up another layer. The Word of God is like an, is, is like an onion. You, you keep peeling layers of truth and get more truth. Every time you think you've got it set, he says, oh, by the way, this is in there too. Blessed be his name. Here's another nugget of, here's another revelation of Jesus Christ for you. Blessed be his name. So in Hebrews 12, 15. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short. Fall short of being a partaker of what God has for you. Don't fall short of the grace of, of God. We have been talking about the difference between living under his mercy and living under his grace. The children of Israel lived under his mercy. They were stiff-necked, disobedient people that didn't, even when the, he was doing things for them, they didn't recognize the fact that it was God doing it. And they were not grateful. They were not thankful. But God was merciful because they were his people, called and separated unto himself. But there's a great difference between living under the mercy of God and living under his grace, his favor. How many would rather live under his favor than under his mercy? 
Because when it's mercy, it's, he's, giving you, he's looking, overlooking something that you're, it's not pleasing to him and he's giving you mercy. I want to get past be, living under mercy and living under his grace where he's well pleased with our lives. Hallelujah. That means I have to die to myself. Brother Eugene is starting a process of dying to himself. He's no longer king of his own life. He has a new king, and his name is Jesus Christ. And by the way, he's a much better king than you are. He's a greater king, has greater purposes for you. He has greater purposes for all of us that are far beyond what we would hope or think. Blessed be his name. Let us fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble, and cause trouble, by the, uh, and many be defiled. I like the way the Amplified says, fall, uh, see that you don't fall from the, the uh, excuse me, now that one fails, falls back from, and fails to secure God's grace. God has this wonderful entity, if you will, of grace. And it's up to us if we partake of it. Well, we can, again, either live under mercy or obey his word and walk in his grace. The Bible tells us that that God winked at them, winked at their trespasses. That means he overlooked them. But there was, it says, he's no you know, but now he's no longer winking at sin. He's holding us accountable for it. See, it's one thing when you didn't know any better, but now that you know better, because you have see it in his word, so if you do it now, it's no longer ignorance, it's disobedience. Well, if you know to do good and do it not, to you it is sin. It is sin. Blessed be his name. Let's continue. Be careful, too, that none of you fall short into impurity and lose his, his reference for things of God as Esau did and lost his birthright. Let's not get so accustomed to God that we do no longer hold him in reverence. You can become accustomed to coming to grace and being, you know, encouraged and goosebumped during worship and so forth, what, what, what happens when you go home? Do you carry that spirit with you? The presence of God, the spirit of God, rests in this house. Thank the Lord for it. He has set his charge over this house. But just because you, can, you get a little thrilled in the praise and worship doesn't mean God's pleased with what's going on in your life. Well, don't look so happy. That is the truth. 
He wants to be pleased with our lives. And there's the simplicity is that if you obey his word, he's pleased with you. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his holy name. Too often we expect things from God instantaneously. And because he doesn't move on our calendar, our timetable, we get disappointed because, you know what, I've, I've walked with the Lord long enough to know that he may not be on my timetable, but he's never late. He is never late. Though it tarries, Haggai tells us, though his word and his purpose tarries, wait for it. Though it lingers, wait for it. It shall not be late. It will not be, it will be in season. His season, not ours. See, that's what the enemy will do to us. And he'll put a, he'll say, just like it did in the Garden of Eden. Hadn't God said, didn't God promise you this? It hasn't happened. You can't trust God. It hasn't happened because he knows there's maybe some things in your life that need to be worked out before he can release that blessing into you. Well, my God. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord God. Let's continue. But the firm foundation laid by God stands sure and unshaken, bearing this seal, this inscription, bearing his name written upon it. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names himself by the name or bears the name of the Lord give up iniquity and stand aloof from it. Now one of the things that happened when Eugene was baptized in the name of the, in the, name of the Lord Jesus Christ that his name was written upon Eugene's life. And the Lord sealed him to himself. Now, when Satan comes, he's going to see that there is a seal on his life and says, property of Jesus Christ. Satan no longer has rule and reign over your life. Can I say it simply? There's a new sheriff in town. Well, blessed be his name. There's a new authority in his life. There's a new authority in our lives. But too often we have got become accustomed to that and don't reverence that and don't honor that because we haven't got our latest goosebumps. But my word says he's always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord God, I change not. 
So the God that used to thrill you hasn't changed. But I wonder who has. Well, are you seeking him with all your heart like I used to? Or have you grown accustomed to his presence, accustomed to, and then long longer is something you follow hard after. You just assume it's going to be there. Well, Lord Jesus, help us. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord will not listen. But God surely, surely listens and heard my voice in prayer. If we, if we hold attitudes, sin, whatever in our lives, we hinder our prayers being whole heard of the Lord. He said, I will not draw iniquity, sinfulness. That doesn't mean, he's not writing there to people that don't know him. But he's, he's writing there to people that have had an experience with him, know him, but they're still holding things in their lives that are not pleasing to God. And he said, I can't hear you. My Lord, my Lord, help us. Lord, we don't want anything that comes between us and you. Nothing between us and our Savior. Nothing between us and our Lord. Nothing between us and our conquering King. Nothing between us and our victorious Lord, our resurrected Lord that has raised us up in newness of life. Are you still walking in newness of life or have you settled for mundane? Holy Spirit, we bless your name. Kindle us afresh, my God. John 12, 35, out of the Williams translation. Jesus said unto them, only a little while longer uh, you have light. He was speaking to them because he was about to be crucified and leave them. He said, a little longer, you won't have my personal light. But listen. Keep on living by, uh, by it, and while you have light, uh, so, that, so that darkness, that want of light, that ignorance of divine things may not overtake you. When you're not continuing to put the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of his word within your life, your light begins to dwindle. And we don't notice it. I used the example last week. It's like when the sun sets. We don't notice the fact that it's ever so slowly becoming dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. We think we've still got light but we have much less light. Help us, Lord Jesus. Don't let the light of the glorious gospel fade from us. Don't let the light of the risen Christ be diminished within our lives. Don't let life get in the way of your life. Our natural life 
be a hindrance to our spiritual life, our everlasting life. We're not careful. Life, our natural life, things we have to do can get in the way of what is eternal. That which is temporal will always war against that which is eternal. That's absolutely right. Lord, I'll spend time with you as soon as I get this done. As soon as I load the dishwasher, I'll, I'll come back and I'll, I'll... Or as soon as I go put this load of laundry and I'll come and spend time with you. Or as soon as I get done with this project, Lord, you know, I, I have a deadline with this. What if you had a deadline with him? Well... Blessed Jesus. May not overtake you, for whoever walks about in the darkness does not know where he's going. When we walk in darkness, we have no clue what, where we're going. We walk in his light. We have purpose and direction. And in a still, small voice, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, this is the way, walk in it. If you're not hearing that voice, then you better check what's going on. Well, I'm doing everything I normally do. What if God wants you to change what you normally do? It's always been acceptable to God before. Hear what you just said? It was acceptable before, which means you're doing what you always used to do, but God's now moved on from beyond what you used to do to a new facet, a new uh, revelation of himself. God never lets you, will, if you'll follow him, you'll never rest on what you used to know. It will never satisfy you. The revelation you had yesterday is not for today. Today, if you obey my voice, Today, 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 if you obey my voice. God's always the, day, always the God of today. When he said the, the word of God says is he's saying yesterday, today, forever. Emphasis is on today. Today, if you'll hear my voice. We can't hear his voice if we don't take time to hear his voice. Well, Pastor, I'm too busy. That's right. You have to, you'll never have time to spend time with the Lord. You have to make time. You'll never have the time. But we have the time to do what is important to us. Is your eternal life important to you? Make time for Him. How you will spend eternity is dependent upon how you serve him now. Well, blessed Jesus.
While you have light, believe in the light, that you might become sons of light. Become sons of light. Have the very radiance of the Lord Jesus Christ within us. I'll just ask you a question. Don't answer me. But have you ever come, anybody, a stranger, come up to you or a fellow worker or so, something and say, there's something different about you. Now, I'm not talking about being, you're weird. Well, the world thinks we're weird anyhow, but peculiar. Well, is the light of the glorious gospel being shed abroad in how you do things, what you say, what you, what you wear, all that you project, is it that which is godly? Do you, whatever and when you're working at work, do you do it with all of your might or you just give it a lick and a promise, as my uh, granny used to say? I learned to clean from my, my mom's, my dad's dad, Granny Sexton. And that meant when I dusted something, when I cleaned something, you got to remember, Granny was shorter than this granny. She, she was 5'10 if she was standing on her tiptoes. 4'10, excuse me, 4'10, if she was standing on her tiptoes. She would say, take this dust cloth and go over the top of the, wind, of the door frame. I said, Granny, no one sees up there. She said, I know it's there. Get it off. <laughs> and it would be black. And she wouldn't rest until I did that throughout the whole house. I learned how to clean windows from her. I don't do it as well as I used to, but I used to do it streak-free. Because she'd stand on the other side and say, there, over here, until it was streak-free. What am I saying is, are we doing things with the same fervor we used to do with things of God when he was new in our life? Or have we become accustomed and Jesus become old hat to us? An old comfortable friend when he's really the Lord of glory the Lord God Almighty. Have we lost our reverence for him? Help us, my God. How do we counteract the light turning into darkness? Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hate to keep picking on Eugene, but I will. Today's his day, yes. One of the things you'll find out, Eugene, is that the Word of God becomes a new book to you. Okay? The things that didn't seem to make sense anymore, the Holy Spirit will open them up, and it's like you'll have scales fall from your eyes, and you'll have new understanding of his Word, and said, Oh my God, that's thrilling. That's for me. Yes, it is. 
Blessed be his holy name. But what will actually happen is the fact that the word of God will come off from that page and be written in your heart and guide you and direct you. For I have purpose for you, says the Lord, that goes beyond your wildest imagination. I have gone before you. I have settled the things with your family. And I will cause a, a reuniting and a, a new fellowship and a new uh, relationship that you've never had before because it was built before on, on a, um, a lustful relationship. Now it will be built on godliness. For I will cause you to, to be the man that you need to be. I will cause you to be the man of God that, that for your house and be the priest of the house. And I will cause you to, to become that one that uh, she has never known before. And I will give you your family as a prize. I will purpose it and I've drawn it and I will say it is finished. So walk in my word. Walk in the faithfulness of my, my, my presence in your life and you will not be disappointed. Blessed be his holy name. Thank you, Lord God. The light of the body is the, is the eye. Therefore, if the eye be single, if it be fixed, if it be unmixed, clear, focused, we would say, the whole body shall be full of light, composed of light, and become transparent. See, we, we don't like the idea of us being transparent because we have things to hide. Amen, Brother Chuck? Thank you. But when we're clean before him, we can be transparent because there's nothing there to see but the glory of God. Well, that's because your eye is single and you become like what you focus on. Well, you become like what you worship. Well, what, what is in your field of worship? What... what do you desire and what, um, what do you spend your time and treasure on and, th and thinking about? That's your, what you worship. Well, my God, we shake our heads at, at the children of Israel because of their, all their, all their uh, idol worship and cause them to be, live under his, his mercy. Yet we go around worshiping not stone images, but worldly idols, worldly people, and worldly thinking. And we th when we absolutely think nothing of it, well, that's harmless. Let me ask you this. Is whatever you're 
focus on, is that bringing you closer to God? Is it making you more Christ-like? Then it's another gospel. It's, it's another, another idol. It's, it's another God in your life. And he said, I will have no other God before me. Well, blessed be his name. Verse 23, but if the eye be evil, full of labors and annoyances, hardships. See, we become like what you focus on. If you're focusing on our hardships and annoyances and how people have done you wrong, that's what you will become. Well, that's still the truth. But if the eye be evil, the body shall be full of darkness, covered with darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, the ignorance and respect of divine things caused by a shadow, we talked about that last week, that we can have a, sh a shadow is something that has been erected and lifted up, and it's between you and the light of the glorious gospel. And it's very deceiving because we see light ar around us and not don't realize that this whatever we have erected, whatever we're, our, our life is focused on, whether it be making money, better jobs, whatever the case may be, it casts a shadow on us and we're in darkness. And we don't realize it. Whatever's lifted up in our life, unless it's the Lord Jesus, because He's light, and when he, you lift Him up, all you get is light. But if you lift something else up in your life, it will cast a shadow on you, and you'll be in darkness. Well, and the deception is that you think you're still walking in light. And that's exactly what the enemy all wants to do. He wants to raise up things in your life that cast shadow on your life and so you don't realize that you're no longer walking in the light that you used to. You've got other focuses, other purposes, other desires than him. Well, Oswald Chambers said, wrote this. It says, the moment you forsake the matters of sanctification or neglect anything else on which God has given you light, your spiritual life begins to disintegrate within you. Continually bringing truth into your real life, working it out into every area, or else even in the light that you, you possess itself will prove to be a curse. If you're only working, walking in half-light, then that half-light will continue to, to um, be a stumbling block to you to the sinful life that you want to live. We have to make choices. We make choices every day. As I said last week, we are the sum total of all the choices we have made in our lives. Well, James 4.17 says, Therefore, to him that knows to do good, and does it not to him, it is sin. We quoted that before. Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Starting with verse 1. 
the preparations of the heart the preparations of the heart in man or in mankind that pertaineth to mankind the answer of the tongue is the Lord so all that all of our preparations all our purposings if we have committed to the Lord he will give us direction if it's out of birth out of our desires we'll reap corruption well all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes but the Lord weighs the spirit see one of the the spirit brings the glory of God in our life and one of the definitions of, of glory is, or the word is doxa, which means weighty. There's a weight of glory. You can't tell it on the scales. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't go up two-tenths of a pound. You may even go up down two-tenths of a pound because you'll feel lighter. But I'm being facetious, but the reality is this. There's a weight of glory that can rest upon your life and should rest upon your life. This glory keeps you. Keeps you in the light. Keeps you from the darkness. Because the enemy wants to shed darkness in your life. It is a, an expert at doing that and throwing things in your life that, to um, distract you from the things that are eternal. Don't let him. My God, help us. Continue on, please. Commit that works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, or on his, uh, of his own for his own sake. We're made for him. When, he, when all of God got together in creation, he says, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, made he them. All right? You're made to be a vessel that carries the Holy, the Holy Spirit and our Holy God. He's made, him, he's made us like unto himself. In the realm of, well, let's just continue. Yea, the wicked for the day of, even the uh, wicked are the lawless for the day of evil. The guilt, the guilty ones, or the ones that are hostile to God. See, God had never purposed man to be hostile to him, but men choose to be hostile to him. And he has, a, he has an end for them. That's basically what it's saying. There is an end for the wicked. And there is a, a glory for the, the righteous. The end of the wicked is eternal punishment. The end game for the righteous 
is being forever in his presence. Well, hallelujah. Let's continue. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Oh, God. Though hands join in hands, it shall not be unpunished or not be acquitted. By mercy or loving kindness and truth, iniquity is purged. By the loving kindness and the, and the truth, iniquity is purged. It's thrown, is revealed and cast out. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. By the reverential fear of the Lord. We don't have to be afraid of him like we are afraid of, of natural things. But we are to revere him. Thank you, Lord God. For God is a good God. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You got, a, you got a contrary and ornery boss? Make your ways please the Lord. Well, when our ways please the Lord, you make even those that are out of sorts with us look at us in a new light. But mostly it is for us to be changed. If our ways are pleasing to the Lord, they'll have to look for things to give accusations. They won't find those things. Yeah, but you, but you don't know my boss or whatever. Yeah, I understand that. But when your ways please the Lord, he will give you the grace necessary to deal with that ornery boss. Amen, Brother Chuck. Thank you. I've had I've had various bosses in another lifetime that weren't always the most congenial people, but every time God gave me favor gave me favor. The last one I worked for when I left, I've told you this before, but they made a luncheon for us when I left and gave me a cake and said, good luck with God. But I'll tell you one thing. See, I'd worked for them for four or five years, maybe more than that. And when I went in and gave them six weeks' notice of saying, I'm going to leave here and go into the ministry. And this Episcopalian boss said, I know better than fight against God. Because he had watched my life and knew that it wasn't just a whim that I was in, that I was walking before the Lord and brought um, a reality of godliness. 
I worked in the, with the guys in the plant and so forth, and when I'd walk into the plant, the language would change. Not because of me, but because of who he is. Can you understand what I'm saying? There was a standard and a light within my life, and I'm not trying to boast myself at all. I'm just trying to tell you this is what God will do in your life. That there will be awareness of his presence within you because you exhibit him in every facet of your life. Blessed be his name. God, um, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Drop down to verse 16. These are principles that you need to lay hold of. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get some understanding rather than be chosen with, uh, than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We have to be careful that in with the blessing and the grace of the Lord has given us that we don't become enamored with ourselves and think it's about us. It's always about him. You can do all things through Christ, but you can do absolutely nothing without him. Nothing eternal. We can do a lot of things, but do we do things that are eternal? Blessed be his holy name. Dropped about down to uh, verse 31 and 32. A hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. I don't know about you, but I've met some hoary heads, some gray-headed people that aren't necessarily walking in righteousness. And they're not always pleasant to be around. He is slow that anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that takes a city. Back in Romans 13, 14, it says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. That's what happened with Eugene today. He put on, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was invoked upon him. He put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's now known by a new name. And there's, there's, there's that, in, um, let me say it this way. When I married Glidell, she was no longer known as a hardened, but her, a new name was invoked upon her, was placed upon her of Sexton. Okay? It's the same thought that's there, is that you're no longer who, you know, no longer, your reputation is not no longer of, put your name there, but there's new name, a new authority, that's what the name really means, authority. There's a new authority in your life. It's not that you are erased. It's a matter that there's a new authority. You are not your, uh, your own anymore. 
You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You've now been made one with him in his death, burial, and resurrection and raised in newness of life. The old life is gone. Now, there's still maybe some, there's still some thought patterns. That's what Romans 12 was about. By the renewing of your mind. And that's a process. I understand that. But it's, again, it's a choice. I can choose to get angry at this situation, or I can choose to give it unto the Lord and let him work it out and calm me down out of the fever pitch that I'm in and give me a solution for it instead of just exploding. Well, or keep exploding and be unpleasing to God. It's your choice. I'm being very plain today. James 1.13 through 15 out of the Amplified. Let no one say that, that he is tempted. When he is tempted, I am tempted from God. For God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil. He himself tempts no one. But every person is tempted when he's drawn away, enticed, and baited by his own evil, lustful passions. See, the enemy doesn't come and attack your strongholds. He comes and attacks your weaknesses to try to draw you away from God. But we can resist him. Through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can come against those thoughts, come against those lustful desires, come against whatever is trying to draw you away from him. Say, God, I know this is not from you. I refuse it. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. You cleanse it from my mind. Blessed be his name. Verse 15. Then the evil desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully matured, brings forth death. Sin will always end up in death, whether natural or spiritual. If you have sinful desires in your heart, the lack of opportunity may be the only thing that keeps you from acting on them. Let me say that again. If you have sinful desires in your heart, the lack of opportunity may be the only thing that keeps you from acting on them. Oh, my God. And you know what? The enemy will make sure you have opportunity. Because you've got to realize you are his enemy because you are Christ. Christ now. You have the name of Christ invoked upon your life. 
and he's changing you. And the enemy knows that now you become a threat, not a pawn in his hand. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's the key to it. Hiding the word of God in your heart. Memorizing it. Being familiar with it. What did the Lord do when Satan, after he was baptized and he was in the desert for 40 days? It is written. How did he answer every temptation? It is written. It is written. It is written. That may be our pattern for us. It is the pattern for us. When the enemy comes and says, it is written. But you have to spend time in the Word so you know what is written. Well, Brother Wade Taylor's written a, a, a book, a devotional book, which I think is good. And I haven't read through it all, but what I have read through has been good. Uh, Wade Taylor was a contemporary of my, of my dad and also was the founder and the, the dean of um, Pinecrest uh, Bible College in New York, a godly man. And I'll just summarize. I was going to read part of an article. I'll just summarize it a little bit here. And um, he starts with quoting the scripture and says this. He says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and to the Father by him. He goes on and says, Every spiritual thing that you, and this, uh, that you consecrate unto God and the decision that you make, Makes, uh, has eternal, eternal purposes and a reward, a reward that transcends its present purpose and effect. And it's very important for us to understand this spiritual pr uh, principle. In other words, everything that you give unto God, every decision you, you give toward God has an effect on the, et your eternal purpose. But the reality is that the decision you make now may not come into fruition and may not show and manifest itself to years and years and years later. And we're such an instant society that when we make a decision and do, you know, and say, Lord, I'm going to give this thing to you, they want, we want it the manifestation of whatever it is next week, if not yes, tomorrow. All right, we're such an instant society, but God knowing you and knowing his purpose for you sets things in motion here and lets you walk in them and walk in them and walk in them before you ever and trying and testing our faithfulness to him and not to what we're trying to get. Hello? Too often we do things to try to get something out of God. And what he wants is you. What he wants is you. We have to get past the mentality as I'll do something good here and so God will do something good over here for me. We are so much a 
uh, instant gratification society. But we're working and walking before an eternal God. What if the nature and purpose that Christ is working within you is not manifested until eternity? Would you still be faithful to walk that way? Because eternity is a long time. But the reality is, everything you're doing now has eternal ramifications, either for good or for evil. Bless you, Lord God. And on the some of the consecrations, you know, simply say this: accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, being born again, realizing we are a sinner and need a Savior, and the Lord Jesus died for us and shed His blood to cleanse us from all sin. That's the that's a that's a consequence, that's a consecration that has immediate ramifications. Being baptized in water for the mission of sins has some immediate consequences and ramifications. Being filled with the Spirit has some immediate ramifications and consequences. But it also has eternal. We won't we, in all reality, we won't have any clue what being in Christ is about until we get to before him. And when he says, yes, this one is mine. His or her name is written in the book of life. Enter thou in to the joys of thy Lord. Or we could be like those where he said, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We've done miracles in your name. And he says, depart from me, you lawless ones, you evil ones. I never had an intimate relationship with you. And sent them to outer darkness, away from the light of himself. Well, see, it's not a matter of being religious. It's a matter of being godly. Because people, lots of people are religious. But are they forgiven? You can be religious all your life and never accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can go to church every Sunday and never have a relationship with him. Never know who he is and he not know who you are. Well, he does know who you are. That's the problem. You cannot fool him. Well, I went to church all my life. I don't see you written in the book of life. I never, you never had relationship with me. You put on a show but there was no go. You didn't go to me. You didn't relationship with me. Well, I've got a light here. He goes on and 
and does an analogy of that, that when we're born from above, when we're, the Lord Jesus Christ has been truly made uh, Lord of our life, it's like a seed. And within that seed is everything, let's, say, let's take an, an apple seed. In that apple seed, there's everything in that apple seed to bring forth a tree and a full harvest. But it all depends on the environment. All depends on the environment. In Matthew 13, there's a parable of the sower. And his sower went out to sow. And as he was going out, some seed fell on the wayside, a hard, hardened, beaten down path. And others fell among stony ground, and others fell among thorns, and others fell in good ground. Okay? The disciple says, what does this mean? And so let's, in Matthew 13, let's pick up right in... Uh, verse 19. Well, verse 18. It says, Hear therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, different just the, than the word of salvation. The word of the kingdom is one that has a king. There is a difference. But hearing the word of the kingdom, recognizing and falling down before him as king of our life. There's different ramifications. There's authority. There's uh, ability in this kingdom that's not to just the word of salvation. That's the beginning. Kingdom means maturity, growing up in him. Blessed be his name. And here's the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one, and catches away that which was sown in his heart. And this is the seed that received by the wayside. But he that receiveth the seed in the stony places, the same as the one that heareth the word, and straightway with joy receives it. They lay hold of it. They think it's great. It sounds good. But yet, they have no root in themselves and only abides for a, a while. And when tribulation, when pressure comes and persecution arises because of the word, I'll warn you right now, Eugene, I keep picking on you. But some of your friends may no longer want to hang with you because you won't do things that they were doing. Because it's no longer in your desire. And you'll, oh, you're getting all religious on us. And, mm, 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 mm. No, I'm just loving the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish you would too. But there'll be pressure and persecution put on you to try to get you to go back to the old Eugene. Don't do it. Because greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's continue quickly here. When tribulation and persecution, or pressure and persecution, arises, because of the word, 
they are offended or they stumble. They step away from the things of God. And those who receive among thorns is those that hear of the word, but the cares of life, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches chokes them and they become unfruitful. One translation says that the cares of life, the desires of this world, the, the desire to be recognized or have fame and so forth, the cares of this world, list off what you want, will choke the word of God. And the Moffat translation says, and they will bring nothing to maturity. Well, no fruit. No fruit. Let's continue. Verse 20, uh, 23. But he that receiveth seed in the good ground, as he that heareth the word and understands it, and also beareth fruit and bringeth forth a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. What's the difference? The seed is good, the ground is good, when they bring forth 30-fold means for one seed you get 30. One apple seed you get 30 apples. Okay? 60-fold is one apple seed you get 60 apples. Okay? One and a hundred. What makes the difference? We're not talking about apples now. We're talking about the fruitfulness of a life. The difference is the application of the word in their life. Well, if you only apply the word 30% of your life, that's your fruitfulness. The more you walk in the ways of the Lord, the more the word of God you apply to your life, the more fruit you will bear. The fruit of his, not only of the spirit, but of his, of his kindness, his mercy, his grace, all of that, his accolades, all of his, uh, his nature be brought forth of you. You're truthful. You, all these things. You'll be an honorable person. All these things are the fruit of a, Christ, of a Christ-like life. See, they, when they tried to accuse the Lord Jesus, they had to lie about him because there was nothing they could accuse him about. Even Pilate said, I find nothing in him worthy of death. There was no ability to be able to make accusations against him. They had to lie about him. I want our lives to be, be so Christ-like that they had to lie about us to bring an accusation. Well... And when it's a lie, it has no effect. Because when you know the truth, a lie doesn't affect you. Blessed be his name. One last verse and we'll quit here. Ephesians 4, 22 out of, through 4, 24 out of the Amplified. Strip yourself of your former nature. That's something you have to do. 
you have to come against all your way you used to think. All that which is natural to you, strip that away and put on and put off and discard them from your old unrenewed self, which is characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring forth from it and from the delusion. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the mind of Christ. Having a fresh and mental spiritual attitude. And put on a new nature, a re regenerated nature, created in God's image, God-like, and true righteousness and holiness. Put on his nature. Put on his holiness. Put on his righteousness. Well, I can't do that in himself. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's your one that stands alongside you that enables you to do what you can't do normally or naturally, and that is walk in the ways of, of, of God. The Holy, none of us can be holy without the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Holy Spirit walking and working in us? Well, we can't be holy without him walking, working within us. We can't be righteous because he's the one that will check us and say, wait a minute, do you really want to go down that path? He said, no, Lord, I don't want to go down that path because the end of that path is destruction. But the path that you choose is, is everlasting life. So we have to strip off the old nature and put on the new. In both cases, it's something, it's reflexive in the fact that, that you have to do it. It'd be a whole lot easier if I could just come back there and lay hands on you and all the old things of this world is just erased and all new things are on now. No, but it's a day by day putting off the old man and putting on the new man. But it's well worth the effort, well worth the sacrifice. Because you know what? There's no regrets in Christ Jesus. I'll say it again. There are no, absolutely no regrets in Christ Jesus. Let's stand, please. Oh, okay. You can actually be seated for one second. Uh, we have our picnic next week. Super exciting, and I wanted to uh, remind you of that and also request a couple things of you. So first of all, Christy, can you look on the board to see who's uh, supposed to clean starting in September? And Kimmy, can you go look in the kitchen to see if we have cups, plates? We do? Oh, we got it already. All right, we, got, we know that we do. Okay, so a uh, couple things we're going to have reminder. Next week is our casual Sunday because we're having a picnic right afterwards, so you don't have to play kickball in your dress, ladies. So, uh, and Bobby, you don't have to wear pick all in your dress. So you can feel free to wear shorts if you want. If you want to wear your Grace Manual shirt that we have from a few years back, great. I know some of you don't have them. You're not required to, but you can. That's fine if you do. Um, what I would like to do this year, because in reminding you that we are inviting people, yes, we're inviting people. I know that I have some that are coming that probably only go to church when they're at a wedding. And you know, I would say a funeral, but you don't have funerals in churches anymore. So my point is, is that 
Um, I, that's my intention. The entire time is that we're inviting people that don't necessarily know the Lord, that we can, you know, and welcome them into the family and so forth. Um, next week's message is going to uh, be geared toward them. And also, I'd like to minimize the movement during service. Okay, minimize it. So in light of that, I want to have all the tables and chairs. Mark, you're going to be here? Yes. And your tent, if those of you have tents like Mark does, not necessarily a tent, what do you call those? Canopies? Canopies? If you have those adjustable canopies, we'll need as many as we have. I know Mark has a couple. It's always great. But if you have one, please bring those. Can you guys bring your kiddie pool? Are we planning on doing that with the ice? Not so much? You don't have that anymore? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, but you have one? Can you bring it? It's like one of those little blow-ups, like little shallow ones. Yeah, can you bring it? We use it to keep all the cold stuff, put an ice in there. Um, we also have a obstacle course blow-up thing for the kids and adults, um, as well as a snow cone machine. So <laughs> Xavier's mind is blown right now. Anyway, so we have some special things. Um, organized for that. Also, we want to have some help with the games and stuff like that. So if you could help with that. Now, if you want to help with the food, you need to see Sonia. In terms of day of. Now, normally bring your normal things, right? We're going to bring a dish to pass and so forth. Think about the people that are coming, don't know to do that, and we're not asking them to, so bring extra, right? Then we normally would. So we want them to come here and to enjoy the presence of the Lord, hear from the Lord, and come and enjoy the picnic. We don't want them thinking about, oh, do I need to go to Subway and get my, my family something? No, we want them to be able to come here and just be our guest. No gas station sandwiches either. We want them to be our guest. When you come to my house, I don't ask you to bring something. Maybe, well, it depends who you are. But, um, but if you're my guest, I'm not going to ask you to come and bring something, right? So we want them just to feel welcome and just to come and be and be loved by us. And find somebody that you don't know and just say, I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Jeff. What's your name? So awesome that you're here. How, how did you come to hear about us? What, you know, what's your story and so forth? We don't want them to, oh, another thing in light of that. A lot of times, because the worship team's always here, you know, getting organized and everything prior to service, and when we have guests come in, and if there's if other people aren't here, then it kind of makes them feel really awkward, right? So they come in at like 1025, and there are four people in the sanctuary, and I know a lot of times, you know, you're doing your Sunday school thing, or you're doing whatever. You're here, you're just not in here, right? Well, I would strongly encourage you, and I'm going to ask you, please be on time next week, every week. Please be on time especially next week, because we don't want them to walk in and feel like, is there anybody even here, right? Am I the only one here? Or these are only the guests. So let's be mindful of that. Make plans ahead of time. So we're going to have to kind of get here a little early than normal, earlier than normal, because we only have the table set up. We're going to have the chairs out. We're going to have our, our canopies all set up. That way, the reason for that is because during service, we don't have a bunch of milling around, okay? Because we don't want them going, wow, what's why are all these people leaving? Do I need to leave? Is there a fire? Is there something going to happen next that I need to get out of, the, out of this room? So we want them just to come and not be distracted. We want them to hear from the Lord. The message is going to be designed for the children. I'm going to have all kids that are 10 and under sitting right here in front. And then I'm going to have the kids in high school above that from 10, 11 to high school age. are going to sit in the front row. But there's going to be uh, words uh, and life for the adults as well. So I encourage you to, to come and to, like I said, invite people. And let's, let's all be early, not even on time, but early. Um, so who are we seeing if we want to help with food on the day of? Yes, fantastic. September is? 
Josh and Charla. Bada bing. So now you know. You got signed up. You are, so in the baton, we're verbally passing the plunger to you. So let's make sure that's all ready. That's why I did that. So we wouldn't be surprised first Sunday in September. Um, we have all that. So the day of, make sure that we have uh, plenty of water because we usually run out of water at the end of the day, especially it's supposed to be 82 degrees next week. And if it's as humid as it is today, we're going to need a lot of water. We have some two liters in the back. I don't know how many or whatever. But if you want to bring two liters, that's fine. I know that my family ends up bringing straight up water that day because it's so hot and, you know, running around, all kind of stuff. So we never have too much water. We, oh, you know what? We have those, those gallon things. We can use all that up as well. We don't have to, we don't need any. Okay. Sister Gladell said we don't need any pop. So if you want to bring lemonade, iced tea, stuff like that, that's fine. Um, we will need help with games and stuff like that. Probably need help with the ice machine because I don't want to be standing there manning it the entire day or the snow cone machine. But anyways, um, just come ready to have some fun and ready to, to welcome people. And remember, if you haven't invited anybody yet, do so this week. It's not too late. I understand it's a holiday weekend. It's kind of tough. It's actually the worst weekend and the best weekend to do it. So we just decided to do it several years ago. Um, worse because people go out of it on town, but then best because they have Monday off and they can recover from playing basketball or kickball or whatever it is that you do. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I don't think anybody's doing it. Is anyone planning on camping next weekend here on campus? Jeff was planning on, no, Drea and Dan were kind of like, Tamaris, were you planning on camping this year? You are? We're planning on, okay, well, if you're planning on camping, that's great. Um, that'd be even better for a setup the next day. So those of you that plan on camping, why don't you guys kind of get together and, and make those kind of plans or whatever the case may be. If you are, let us know because we'll come for the campfire. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to, actually, I know I'm not. It's way too much to do that Sunday morning, so I can't be doing that. Um, anything else that I forgot? I know. About, about picnic, though? All right. I'm excited. Yes, you were excited. The announcements are great. Uh, real quick, um, just kind of, I was talking to Josh. He signed you guys up for September because he's gone three weeks on business, so no option. Tiger tickets. Um, I am sold out currently. Uh, we, we sold all of them out. But I know if, there's, if you still want to go, I can probably still get you a ticket or two. Uh, it might not be right next to us, but it'll be real close to us. And, Usually when you're sitting in, in the section we sit in, people just kind of, you know, sit wherever. They, I mean, it, somebody might move, and, you know, after you ask them or whatever. Usually people are, whatever. I do, have, I do have two that were already purchased that um, cannot be used. Uh, I've already paid for them, so if somebody wants two, you can see me. Uh, my two older boys can't go. They have a school outing that whole day, so I do have two. But if you want more or you need more, see me today for sure today because I have to call tomorrow and uh, put in put in the final order well I've already put it in put it tomorrow he told me kind of like you need to let me know so oh yes you need to pay sister sister Glidell um, church front of the money up front so please don't hesitate or wait or maybe you need to make arrangements with her whenever you get a paycheck or second and the 15th or whenever whatever out there payment plan yes <laughs> lay away you don't get your tickets until you pay full amount. So, um, see Sister Glidell, and um, she'll tell you what to do. And that's all I have. Pastor? 
Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you so much, Father God. We thank you for the powerful word this morning that Pastor brought. We thank you for the praise and worship, God. We thank you, Lord, for, for the baptism this morning, Father God. We pray, Lord, that you go with all of us today, Lord, and whatever we're doing, Father God, help us to remember to we're representing you when we walk in you, Father God. Oh, bless everyone, whatever they do today, spending time with the family, doing yard work or anything else. God, we thank you for your wonderful blessings on our lives. Bring us all back tomorrow, Lord, and help us to bring our bring our friends and family, Lord, that we can um, share the gospel with them if they're unsaved, Lord, that souls would come to the kingdom because of the picnic next week, Father God. We thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. We give you all the glory. And everybody said, amen. You are dismissed.